Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As many of you listeners know, our CR team is so excited to be headed to Stillwater, Oklahoma this weekend to call the Division I Women's National Indoor Championships. It was such a fun event for our team to be a part of last season. And of course, all of us college tennis fans looking forward to the opportunity to see eight of the top teams in the country get together in one location and battle it out for the right to be named the National Indoor Champion. Of course, in the spirit of that upcoming event, we thought it would be fitting for us to bring on the host of this weekend's action, current director in tennis and head coach of the Oklahoma State women's tennis team, Chris Young, joins us on the show today to talk a little bit about his team heading into this 2021 season. Of course, we also talk about what it means for this Oklahoma State program to host this national indoor championship, particularly given the fact that they were supposed to host the NCAA tournament last season and obviously weren't able to do so during the pandemic, of course. Coach Young has had so much success during his tenure at Oklahoma State, so I wanted to talk to him a little bit about the growth he's seen in his program. We get into the 2016 NCAA championship match they played against Stanford. We talk about the growth he's seen from his team both last season, the momentum they have coming into this season as well with the offseason. They were able to put together that and so much more. Sincerely believe there are you know, few people out there, if any. I mean, some may match his belief and his love for the sport of college tennis, but you can just tell five minutes in how much Chris Young cares about college tennis, how much this sport means to him. So this was a phenomenal conversation. Very much looking forward to all of you listeners hearing it. Of course, the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in, day out here at Crack Rackets because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Patreon family, and of course, from our friends at Midwest Sports to update your own equipment, to get the best equipment at the best prices. Just go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, but you know all of this by now. You're probably already shopping there, but if for some reason you aren't, go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there. And again, they are so uh, giving to us here at Cracked Rackets. The least we can do to show our appreciation is ask that you go support them as well. MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's get to my conversation with Oklahoma State women's head coach, Chris Young. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On the podcast today, he is entering his 12th season at the helm of the Oklahoma State women's tennis program. He's also going to play host this weekend to all of us set to enjoy the Division I Women's National Indoors. It is head coach Chris Young. Coach, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's it's an honor to join you. Oh, honor is definitely a stretch, Coach. Well, Trust you know, me. I, I mean, I, I see all the podcasts and all these big-time guests, so I, I guess that, you know, I've, I've finally made the cut. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and look, I know you're playing host to me. Look, I know where my bread is buttered, and so got to always there butter up the host a little bit uh, before you head to their house. But, of course, I know I speak for all of us tennis fans, all of us in general. We are so excited for this weekend's Division One Women's National Indoor event. And, of course, we will all be headed down to Stillwater for that event, something we were all planning to do at the end of last season. Of course, the NCAA championships were scheduled to be at Oklahoma State before the season was canceled. I feel like this is a hot start to the podcast. But my question to you, Coach, is to be able to host the National Indoors after, unfortunately, not being able to host the NCAAs. What does that mean for your program? Program. Yeah, I think it was um, a nice surprise for us. Obviously, uh, hosting the NCAA's is the ultimate goal, and and that's a ultimate opportunity as a as a program to be able to showcase what we're all about here and showcase our community and our tennis center and all the things that we've worked hard to build as a tennis program. I think um, you know over the last decade or so, we've really uh, I think come on to the college tennis scene a little bit more with. Um, you know, what we've been able to do with our programs and then obviously our facilities. And we were hoping to be able to put that out there, you know, in front of everybody uh, last year. And, and a lot of hard work had gone into that, a lot of planning. I think a lot of ideas that we had that um, I, I think we're going to make the championship experience better, hopefully for everybody. Um, but that wasn't to be. And, you know, you sit around and you're disappointed about it for, you know, a good period of time. And, and then an opportunity like this comes up that, that softens that blow a little bit, allows, you know, some of the top teams to still be able to come here and compete for us to compete against them. Um, I think it's just a great opportunity. And so, you know, I think it's just a good example of kind of making the most of a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the photos. They look beautiful. I am amped to get to see the Greenwood Tennis Center in person, get to experience that. I know you were instrumental in uh, making sure that Greenwood Tennis Center was constructed on the Oklahoma State campus. What has the construction of that tennis center meant for your program? I feel like for so many of these teams now, it's almost an arms race, right? You have to have the new uh, building. You have to have some sort of pro circuit event at your program to compete nationally. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, when it's an arms race and we weren't even in the race, you know, uh, we, we didn't even have a facility uh, that was our own. We had some rec courts on campus, but we weren't even the top priority to get to use them. There was no indoor facility. And so, you know, when it was bad weather, which, you know, here is January and, and often, you know, a week or two into February. So the first six weeks of the season, we're driving an hour one way to, to practice, to get indoor courts. And so my first four years here, that's, that's what we did. And 
you spend a lot of time, you know, in the in the van getting to know your players, but you know, you don't get as lo- a lot of time on the court with them. There's no one on ones. There's no um, extra hitting. You know, everything's scheduled, and and you know, a lot of times we would get two hours a, a day, and you're spending two hours in the car. So, you know, it makes for just a, a long a long week, a long day, and um, you know, a lot of challenges developing players, and and uh, you know, the program here is was was able to you know have success men's and women's before that but you know when you give us a a facility of our own where the the players have all the resources they need to develop and compete um you know i think it's been pretty obvious the success on you know both sides men's and women's since you know 2014 when we opened it up um you know for us opened it up in 2014 2016 we're playing in the national finals so um, you know, I think it was, it just showed that, um, you know, we're able to develop kids when we have, uh, the right resources and now we have everything we need. There's, there's no excuses. Do you think if the Stanford result flips four three, it's called the Chris Young tennis center, not the Greenwood tennis no, center? No, 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 <laughs> I, uh, I, I think about that Stanford match every day. I thought about it today. Like, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it, it still drives me, but, um, no, we, we couldn't have done it without the Greenwoods because, uh, you know, one thing that, that they were able to give is the funds to do it. And that's something I don't have. So we're going to honor them as long as possible. And um, I'm just very thankful for them. And uh, it's, it's uh, not about me for sure. No, of course. And again, we will get back. I apologize that I'm going to make you revisit that Stanford match. But yeah, I, I feel like for all driven people, it's the losses. You remember more than the wins. And so I do want to get back to that 2016 season. I also want to say quickly at the top here, obviously, all of us here at Cracked Rackets uh, want to extend our thoughts, our prayers to Coach Udwadia and his family as well. I know he's taken a leave of absence. Obviously, we'll all be thinking about him as well. So uh, if you can coach please pass along that message from all of us here at cracked rackets but yeah for uh, sure yeah i do want to talk about your team and where you guys are entering this 2021 season because you look at the ita first round of rankings i believe you guys are number 10 uh in the country entering this uh national indoor event i believe you guys have four ranked singles players on your team a ranked doubles team as well and yet I don't think you have a single senior on the roster, Coach. So when you look at That's your right. Oklahoma State team entering this 2021 season, I imagine you have to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that I, I feel, um, you know, last year I thought, wow, we're we're pretty talented, but we're young. And we didn't really have a lot of experience in dual match play, which is, you know, a, a totally different animal, as we all know. Um, and so just to see how the kids would respond and, you know, last year we lost in the kickoff weekend 4-3 and to Ohio State. We had like three matches. We lost 6-4 in the third. Um, and then, you know, then we won the rest of our matches. We were 11-1 and one and, and right around 10 in the country when the season was stopped. Um, and the kids got a lot of experience, but we only played two conference matches. So coming into this year with pretty much the same group, um, you know, we only have one girl on our roster that's played a full college tennis season. And so you get into moments like we're going to this weekend, and it's just a new experience. And I think the exciting thing is the future of this program. It reminds me a lot of the team that we really started building in 2014 and 15 that kind of really started, uh, you know, making the ascent of our program that eventually put us in the national title. And that group stayed together for a couple years. And, you know, for a program like ours that sometimes doesn't always get the you know, top, top at the recruits and you have to develop, you know, sometimes 
that team that can stick together and develop together for a year or two uh, develops a lot of chemistry and synergy. And I think that's where we can really, um, you know, go for it. And, and so I think this group is going to be pretty special over the next few years. And we're going to learn a lot about this team, uh, you know, early this season, obviously this weekend and going forward. But it's a it's a fun group to coach. They're all in. They, they work really hard. Um, you know, they don't know what they don't know right now. And um, so it's uh, it's exciting to work with them every day. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a challenging time has been for them, you know, for their out their college career. They've had to deal with pretty much the pandemic for most of them, you know, uh, ever since their you know dual match season started uh, in their college career. So there's a lot that they've had to deal with and overcome. But I think it's going to make us come out on the other side a lot stronger. And I look forward to, you know, the current season and the future with this group. God, I, I get it now. It, it's all making sense to me, Coach. We're eight minutes into this podcast. I just feel more uh, – I have a more positive outlook about life, and we're eight minutes in. I'm just feeling – your positivity has already translated through the phone. I love that attitude. And, look, I think that is an attitude that so many of these players are going to be turning to. And I have a little brother who is a freshman in college this year, but he missed his second semester senior year of high school, first semester freshman year of college due to this pandemic. And that's an experience so many of the players on your roster, I'm sure, can relate to. And, you know, for your team last season, you guys were 11-1 and when play stopped. I think you had won 10 matches in a row. You guys got a 4-3 win over Pepperdine. You guys beat South Carolina. You clearly had momentum on your side. How do you capture that momentum from last season, given the lack of court time you guys have all had together, the disruption in you know the uh, the flow of your program? How do you work to to keep everything intact, coach, to maintain that momentum and not lose a step uh, this season because of all of the time lost? Yeah, you know, I think that's a, that's the million dollar question, and I think uh, you know solving that is going to be what gives you success. And I would say. You know, first of all, I think just having a routine and having a culture that um, of accountability and discipline and just doing the right things and, and just showing up every day and being consistent because you can't control, you know, what's the variables that are outside of, uh, you know, what we can control. And so we just got to stick with it. And you're right. I mean, we came into this season, um, you know, we had two matches. Uh, we, we played Missouri twice the very first time, which was kind of an odd thing to do but I told our kids look every time we get a chance to play let's play as much as we can you know because you never know when the next one's going to come and they kind of thought I was a little bit crazy which is, they often do uh you know but then two days later we get we get shut down due to contact tracing and you know we didn't have a, a single positive test um or we didn't have any contact tracing with our team all fall so we played five tournaments this fall um with our kids a couple UTR events three college events did everything and we just didn't experience it. So we didn't really know what life was like, um, you know, with the pandemic as far as a, a shutdown. And then you have, you know, the first two matches and, and, and we gained a lot of momentum, I think, from those matches because we played a lot of kids. We rotated everybody around, even got some kids that were walk-ons in our program a chance to compete. And so, you know, everything was, was feeling really good. And then you you have to shut down. Um, and so that, that's been a challenge. It's been a challenge leading up to, you know, we haven't played, um, since then. And that was, um, you know, middle of January. Now we're here first of February and we're going to take on UCLA in two days. And, um, it's, uh, you know, we, we don't really know. I mean, we just got some of the kids back, um, out here competing and they're kind of slowly ramping up and, 
we're not going to make any excuses about it. We're just going to go out there and play, and we're happy to play. There was a point in time where I didn't know if our team would be able to play in a tournament that we're hosting. Um, but, you know, I think now that, that, you know, looks like everything's a go, the kids are just like, hey, we got nothing to lose. Let's go out there and play. And I think any positive things that happen this weekend for us is going to build momentum. And I think the one thing I've told our team is, you know, this event is not an indicator of who wins the NCAAs. In 2015, we played Vanderbilt in the last match of the indoors, and we won a pretty comfortable match against them. And, um, you know, they go on to win the national title in 2015. In 2016, we went one and two in this event and then made the finals. So, you know, I think this event right, right here is a great event for college tennis. It's a great event for whoever wins it, but also you learn a lot about your team and where you need to improve and the teams that can take the information from this weekend and build on it uh, and gain momentum from this weekend. That's the people that are going to have success moving forward. And so that's what we hope is going to be us. So I think the perspective is what um, you're asking about. And hopefully we have the right perspective going into it. Mm-hmm. No, and, you know, a couple of things I want to follow up on there, but I want to start with the contact tracing element because I think it was on the 15th, maybe the 16th around that date that your program announced a couple of matches were going to be postponed due to contact tracing with your program. And that's something I think a lot of coaches, I'm sure, are going to have to deal with this season frustrating is the wrong word, right? Because we all understand we're playing a season in a pandemic. There are going to have to be concessions by all of us just to, you know, have this season play through. But for your team to have that experience, how difficult was it for you all to adjust, particularly as you mentioned, given the fact that you guys were set to play host to this event two and a half weeks after that announcement? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it it, it caught us by surprise because, you know, it was a Tuesday, and we were supposed to have a match that night, um, and then and then two matches coming up that weekend. And so everybody had tested the day before, and then that morning we found out there was um, a positive on the men's side. And some of our kids the night before had, had taken their training table meals that we give them kind of to go and, and just sat with the men's team and ate their meals together. And, you know, you kind of get that false sense that, hey, we're all being tested, and, you know, we were all negative two days ago so we can be around each other and and eat our meal together and uh, you know then all of a sudden somebody shows up positive and so everybody in that entire group um, you know which basically shut down both teams and so you know you try to stay within your bubble and we thought our bubble was more you know everybody at, at our tennis center but you know when that gets exposed just in the slightest way you have to take you know the health of our student athletes is paramount and that's what we're here for is to give them an education and you know, part of that education is how you handle with adversity and then how you, you know, your priorities. And so if we say we're about certain things, um, when these moments come, we need to show it. And, um, you know, I think that's really important for us. And so, you know, for me, it wasn't something I really fought against. It was like, just tell me what needs to happen because this is new to me. And so, you know, we, we worked with, uh, you know, ourselves and the men's program and, um, you know, you, you shut down for, you know, for us, it was it was for a week and you continue to test. And, you know, if, if nothing converts, then at the end of the week, um, you know, you're you're out. Unfortunately for us, we had a, a few that converted towards the end of that time frame, which then kind of restarted the, the clock for them. And, um, you know, then your return to play protocols and everything come into play and you start looking at, wow, we've really put ourselves out there with, you know, hosting this national indoor championship, there's a lot of 
cost and resources that are involved in that, and we're committed to that, and that's what's best for college tennis, but is it going to be best for our program, and how do we handle it? And, you know, I'll just be honest and say, like, even a week ago at this point in time, I had no idea what the right move was going to be with our program as our kids, you know, the return to play, and they come back, and, you know, we've really kind of taken these last couple of days to see how the kids react, and, and uh, it's kind of a day-to-day process, and, uh, you know, I wanted what was best for our program first, but I also want what's best for college tennis. And hopefully over the last few years, I've been able to show that I'm all in for college tennis and, and what, what makes our sport better and what makes it great, how to showcase it. And I think being able to save this event and still have it this year at our place was something I was, I was proud to be able to help out and do. Um, but, you know, the fact that our team can play in it, I think is, uh, is important as well. And, and it seems like that we're, you know, all systems go for that now. And so it's a challenge. I think everybody's going to have to uh, to work through it. Um, you know, I don't know what each team's protocols are and, and, and what they do, but I feel very confident in our medical team here. And, and um, you know, we're, we're doing a great job of testing. We're, we're testing some of the teams when they get here um, because we have some capabilities that they didn't have at their place or, you know, they needed to travel and it kind of disrupted their normal flow of testing. So we're we're taking care of them and we just want to make sure everybody feels comfortable and safe and healthy. And, you know, the event is, um, secondary to health, but you know, it's, it's, um, it's something that these student athletes deserve to have this experience and a memory that they will, um, you know, have. And so we're going to try to run this event and make it the best one possible. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, just a quick tangent for you. I, when we are recording this Wednesday morning, I got my COVID test yesterday because obviously I want to make sure I am clean before I head to Stillwater and I get to the testing site and I kid you not coach. And I think at this testing site, they have the newest test, which is, you know, they go up the nose, they hit the brain and on the new like Q-tip or whatever, there is no curly stuff at the end. It's just the rod. And she goes, look, I'm going to be honest. We're going to know for sure if you have COVID after this, Alex, but this test is going to hurt. And I was like, don't tell me that. I was like, just do it. Why would you tell me it's going to hurt? And my nose is still bleeding every, you know, second hour because she really got in there, coach. But anything for this weekend. Yeah, that's right. I appreciate you taking one for the team. And I can sympathize. You know, we it, it depends on, you know, we, we've had so many of these, like I've lost count. And, yeah. you know, there's there's one with the swab and one with the nose. And um, it, it's funny because there was, a you know, one lady was doing it and she's counting to like 15 on each nostril and going through. And then all of a sudden <laughs> a new lady comes in and she's like, you know, you don't have to, uh, to last 15 seconds. You just got to go up a little farther and you can maybe just count to 10. And I was like, I want the lady back that that gives me the the 10 seconds. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, she's like, look, it's one nostril. Like, that's the good news. The bad news is I'm going in there, Alex. And I was like, ugh. All right, anything, you know, again, do what you got to do, obviously. And, you know, it, it, all of this gets back to, and I, it's a candid question, but it's a question every college tennis coach faces is you are the coach of, you know, 6 to 12, 18 to 23 year old student athletes. And in, in any normal circumstance, these student athletes have more burden on them than 99% of normal college students. And yet, you add in the additional burden of, okay, we're asking you to be college athletes amid a pandemic. We are, there's a degree of trust that has to go into that, right? Because they're still college students, but you can't have players testing positive. You need them to act responsibly off the court. And I'm just curious how you, 
have balanced that relationship, uh, balanced or you know managed to balance that. Uh, you know, sort of dynamic because, you know, the example you gave, I think anyone listening to this podcast will hear, oh, the women's team wanted to eat dinner with the men's team. That is a normal thing that happens with college students everywhere. And obviously that puts your program in contact tracing. And so I'm sure you guys had a conversation amongst your team like, hey, I know this sounds really stupid, but like you guys just can't have dinner with the men's team. Like we really need you athletes on court. And I'm curious how difficult it's been again to balance the dynamic of allowing your your players to be student athletes, but also allowing them to still maintain some sort of moniker of a regular college schedule. That that is a great point. You know, it's. Um... <laughs> You know, you can't ever let your guard down and you, you have to be willing to, uh, you know, make some sacrifices that you normally wouldn't wouldn't make and you wouldn't even think about. You know, I think that's the thing is, um, you know, usually we have uh, an area that the kids go and eat dinner every night with all the athletes in our train table area. And now it's, you know, we get the meals to go. We bring it over to the tennis center. They pick it up and they go and. It's like, who would, who would think that they couldn't just, you know, gather up and hang out, uh, especially because everybody's being tested. Everybody has negative tests, you know, that type of thing. So I think there's a lot of challenges. And I think um, it just really comes down to discipline. And it's not the way that you want to, like, you know, have to have your college experience. You want to give them more freedom. But at the same time, we know to play and compete and do the things that we want to do. This is the sacrifices that we have to make. And I think that that's just life in general, right? I mean, sometimes to do the things you really want, to get what you really want, you got to make sacrifices. And the student athletes, I think they're well aware that their college experience is different than, you know, a regular student. They're going to have to make different sacrifices just to be an athlete and compete in their sport. And that's not a complaint. That's that, you know, there's so many benefits for being a student athlete and we're very blessed to do the things we do. It's just, um, you know, I think that um, it's challenging, and, and I think our girls have done a great job. And to get all the way through the fall without really having to experience this, uh, you know, we were the only team uh, on the campus that didn't have a positive test uh, throughout the entire fall semester. And so, you know, you're kind of like, you don't even want to say that out loud, you know, to jinx yourself. And uh, sure enough, you know, we get hit when with it when, um, you know, our season's just trying to get going. So everybody has challenges to deal with. And I think our kids now, you know, learn, hey, okay, this is what we can and can't do. And we got to even tighten it up even more. But um, hopefully this is, isn't going to last too much longer. We can get through it and come out on the other side with a lot of uh, interesting stories. No, your mouth to God's ears, coach. I swear to God, we're all, we're all ready for it. So absolutely. But all right, that's enough serious talk. I want to chat some tennis with you because uh, obviously you have taken your Oklahoma State women's team and you've turned them into a perennial top 15, top 10 program. And I'm sure that requires a lot of work on the court. You talk about developing players the way you develop in tennis, the Gladwell theory, right? You hit 10,000 balls, forehands, backhands, serves, whatever it may be. And I know a lot of you college tennis coaches, and I say this lovingly, uh, you're creatures of habit, right? You've been on court. You you know your practice times. You know what works. You know the drills. You you guys are just – you stick to your routines as we've talked about. And obviously with a pandemic, that disrupts those routines, and you're not able to get on court uh, as frequently as you would like. This may be a stupid question, but – 
as a head coach, how frustrating is it for you? Especially, I don't know how many of your players were on campus during the fall. I know, I think you guys, you have four players uh, born in the U.S. I know it was trickier for a lot of the international players to come back. But, you know, how frustrated do you get just not getting to spend as much time on the court as you would like? You know, to be perfectly honest with you, we we got, um, I I thought our fall was fairly normal. Um, Mm -hmm. We had all of our players come back. I think what says a lot about how they feel their experience here is in our program, the value that our program provides for them. Not to say that's a knock on anybody who didn't come back, um, you know, in other programs, but I think our kids really wanted to be together. They wanted to be here. They knew that we would take their health seriously. They knew there was... Um, protocols in place to do that and I think they knew that we would find ways to to still develop them and you know we we pride ourselves here um, you know on a lot of individual development and so you know you were in a situation this fall where um, you know you really had to practice in smaller groups we had to do our fitness in different groups and you know I think a lot of the resources that we've put in place here really came to came to help us you know we had just built a new fitness area here at our tennis center. So we were able to use that. We didn't um, need to leave the tennis center at all. Uh, We didn't have to go into areas where other teams were working out to go into a bigger weight room that maybe, you know, had other athletes coming and going through it. Uh, We were able to do just a lot of one-on-ones as coaches with our players and spend a lot of one-on-one time with them and just develop as a team. We just really kind of came together as a team and were really close. And I think that's going to pay dividends moving forward, not only this season, but as this group stays together. So I really can't say that, um, you know, it was, it was challenging for sure to be able to maneuver it all. But um, I, I felt pretty good about the work we got in in the fall. Mm-hmm. And you look again, I mentioned this earlier, four ranked players uh, in singles to start your season. You have a ranked doubles team as well. And you start to look at your roster again with all of the options you have between Anna, between uh, Bunyawi, between Lisa, between Ayumi, you just, you have depth this year. There's no denying that. And so as we look for your team, uh, obviously you haven't gotten to compete as much as you would have liked these past two weeks. But as you look towards the opportunity uh, for this national indoors, how excited are you to see uh, how your girls compete with all the other best teams in the country? Yeah, I think that's the most exciting thing is to see where we're at. You know, I think that's the, the measuring stick is where we're at and what do we need to improve in order to be there at the end. I think that's how we're looking at this weekend. And I'm just excited to see um, where we match up and and then how, um, you know, the experience we can give everybody else while they're here. When you look at the college tennis landscape in this during this 2021 season, I mean, some of the teams, I know you guys, I think, match up with UCLA in your first match. They bring back everyone from last season. So, of course, that top three of uh, Abby Forbes, Alicia Bolton, Jada Hart, I mean, they were so good last year. They're just one year older. And then the North Carolina team, they could probably field two top ten teams if they wanted with all of the talent on their roster. You've got Pepperdine, Texas, obviously feels like there's more talent in this 2021 season throughout the uh, country than maybe at any prior point or do you feel that way as well and obviously I'm sure some of that is a product of the additional year offered by the NCAA but it just feels like you look across the country and every team's roster is loaded yeah for sure I mean um, you know there's a lot of I I would call them like super teams you know because teams they got that extra year unfortunately for us we'd have any seniors last year so it's like (laughs) Bad timing, you know. I mean, that was a poor coaching move on my part, not to anticipate this pandemic a little bit better. Um, 
you know, but, uh, you know, I think it, there's some, some great players, you know, some players that feel like they've been in college forever and you, and you, you just appreciate their abilities and they do that. You know, I, I, I joked with some people, you, know, you could, you could almost take, um, some kids from, you know, the kind of a second team, basically of Carolina and UCLA and Texas and Pepperdine and, you might win the tournament or you'd make a run at it with, with some of their kids that maybe don't get to compete this weekend because those coaches have done such a good job of, you know, assembling kids. And then, you know, as you said, with certain kids getting a chance to come back and the new group coming in, there's just not room on some of these rosters for, for uh, some of the kids. And uh, it will be, you know, interesting just to see how everybody competes, but I, I don't think there's going to be another year where there's as much talent, as there is right now, just depth of talent, you know, and I, I saw someone post that uh, five of the top six singles players uh, in the country are playing this event. So um, yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And obviously you got the chance to see someone like Ashley Leahy uh, last year as you guys beat Pepperdine four three, but her and the Alexa Grams of the world again, Abby Forbes, just all of these names across the country. You see so many of our, um, college players now going on and having success singles doubles uh, on the pro level and I think that's inspiring people I feel like the the climate of college is uh, you know people are recognizing the great coaches that we have in, in college tennis right now the resources that are being put you know we talked about the arms race earlier but I think there's more investment in college tennis at a you know a global level than than ever before and and that just pushes everyone to be good you know i think the fact that you see some programs you know and i hope ours is one of those that inspires people that you know anything is kind of possible for a team like ours to play in a national championship you know just a few years ago i think it says that you know it's 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 there it's not just the same blue bloods you know every year that, that have the opportunity anybody with hard work and resources and um you know, good kids can, can do this and have success. And, um, you know, I think that when you want to have an athletic department that's, you know, well-rounded, you want every program to matter, every program to have success. And I think you're seeing more and more athletic directors, um, you know, see the benefits of college tennis on their campus and what it can bring to them in, in many ways. And um, I think it's just very exciting. I think it's going to continue to improve. And I think as we can find ways to showcase our game more, through TV, through, you know, streaming opportunities, through things like with what you guys are doing. I think it's just invaluable for us to have more people talking about college tennis because, you know, I think it just takes people coming out and seeing it um, for the first time and then they find it out. Mm -hmm. No, completely agree with you. I think anyone – I mean, I, I mean, I have friends who in college I – dragged along to tennis matches i'm like trust me this is the perfect pregame before we go out the energy you're gonna get from the 40 minutes of the doubles point i sincerely believe the doubles point is the mo most exciting thing offered in all of tennis just the three courts right next to each other you get these quick momentum shifts it's it's delightful and obviously you know we've seen changes in college tennis with no ad scoring with the playing of lets with a bunch of different things uh, added in both the men's and women's game and again you look at how those changes have influenced the sport 
when you look at the direction of college tennis, do you think things are trending positively? Obviously, it's been a tough year for so many athletic programs across the country. Curious your thoughts on the state of college tennis. I think it's trending in the right direction for sure. I think that our sport is one that can be done in a, you know, we're a low risk sport considered by the NCAA. I think we're going to get to play as much as anybody. Um, and I think that just gives our kids an experience, gives our kids a chance. And, um, you know, people want to be able to, to watch sporting events and, and live sporting events. And hopefully we can do that in a safe manner moving forward and just find ways to expose people to the great sport of college tennis. I, I know that that's been something that's been one of my biggest passions and joys being here at Oklahoma State is just, uh, you know, kind of showcasing people what college tennis is all about. I think there's so many people here that have become fans. Even I would say even our first match this year, we had a lot of people that came for the for the first time. And, um, you know, we, we've we've been able to have fans, but in a very distant manner, but but keep everybody safe. And, and I had some people come for the first time and like they just fell in love with it. And uh, and I think, as you said, the energy, um, I think no ad scoring has been a big benefit to us because it, it adds excitement. It adds, um, you know, importance of every point. And there's a lot of uh, momentum swings. There's a lot of opportunities for um, parity. You know, I think the more points you play, usually the better player is going to come out on top. I think when you shorten it, there's no doubt it's given more people opportunities. And, um, you know, I think that's what makes sports fun is that anybody can beat anybody on a given day. And, and that's what people want to see. They want to see good quality competition, people competing hard. And, you know, I think we got some great competitors in college tennis right now. We have a great product. We just have to find a way to continue to package it in a way that people can view it. Because once people view it, I think they're hooked. We just got to find our way in the door there. I completely agree with you. And this is a really stupid description. Again, I'm kind of that's kind of my thing. You know, that's what they know me for. Um, but I just think tennis is the most human of all of the sports. You see the emotions on the player's sleeve because it's just or on their face. It's just one person out there who is suffering through the highs and the lows of a tennis match. And that human element you just relate to as a member of the crowd. If it's your home team, you feel, you know, sympathy, empathy, the, the pains, the joys that the player on the court is feeling, at least when you get really into the tennis. So I completely agree with you. Obviously, that's why we do what we do here at Cracked Rackets. And I know for you, I believe you are a native of Norman, Oklahoma. You are an Oklahoma man through and through to be directing the OSU women's program. Again, 12th year at the helm. You guys have made a national championship final. What does it mean to you to be director of tennis at Oklahoma State? Uh, it means a lot. I mean, I take a lot of pride in being from Oklahoma. And, you know, when I came to Oklahoma State, it was with the idea of trying to um, make a difference in tennis in our state to try to find a way to impact our state and grow the game, grow the sport, um, expose more people to it. And, um, you know, I think that was one of the joys of 2016 was knowing that we had a strong team, knowing that the national championship was going to be in Tulsa and that, you know, we could really use that to make a difference. And it was awesome that, you know, we were in the finals along with the Oklahoma men um, our men made a good run by being there in the Sweet 16. And, you know, we just were able to expose a lot of people to the sport of college tennis because they just wanted to come and see, a, you know, an, an Oklahoma State team competing in the finals or an Oklahoma team competing in the finals. So the intrigue brought them out, and, and those people have kind of stuck with us ever since. And so um, I think with the resources that we've been able to provide with our facilities, 
um, you know, it goes beyond even just college tennis. It goes to, you know, junior programs that we can have, tournaments we can have, and just inspiring, hopefully, kids that grow up in our state that tennis is a great sport for them to consider being a part of, and they can have a great experience, a great career. Um, you know, they can do a lot of fun things with our sport. And, and hopefully, you know, we're going to see more and more kids coming out of Oklahoma as collegiate tennis players. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And again, uh, you talk about that 2016 team. You guys go 29 and five during that season. National finalists, 17 and 0 at home. Uh, perhaps most impressively, after I believe the blue and gray, uh, or is it the blue and gray, the scarlet and gray? No, it is the blue and gray Invitational. Uh, and then you, I think, a couple of weeks after that, you guys lost to USC, and then you ripped off an 18-match winning streak. And I believe 12 of those 18 wins were of a 4-0 variety. And you know, it's not at the Division One level, but I've been on some winning teams during the course of my time. You don't get this sort of ego if you haven't won a little bit during your life. And I just, I have to ask, Coach, 18 straight wins, dominating the way your team did. What is a run like that like? What When do you realize as a coach, like, holy shit, we have something special on our hands? Well, it's a lot of fun. That's for sure. Winning is fun. So, um, you know, you, you walk into every match like, we're going to take care of this. Um you know, and we're, I think just confidence, like you said, it kind of gets it. And I, I remember that season obviously very well. And I remember the USC match being the turning point after we lost to them. You know, it's USC. It's on the road. We're Oklahoma State. I think our kids kind of felt like, uh, I mean, if we win this one, it's great. But if we lose it, it's like no harm, no foul. You know, you're at USC on the road. Nobody really is going to think less of you for losing this match. And we didn't attack it like I thought we needed to. And, and we had a lot of a long conversation after that match uh, right there on the courts at USC, like I told the team right then, you know, we can win a national title with this group, but you know, our mentality has to change and, and we got to be all in on some of the things that, you know, we talk about our program is about. And um, the kids did an unbelievable job of buying in. That was a, a team that was very special. You know, one thing that made that team special is we won the doubles point 33 out of 34 times. And the only time we lost the doubles point that year was the USC match. And, um, our kids really took that as a, you know, as a pride thing that we got the doubles point every time. And, you know, that really helped us on that run to the finals because we're playing a lot of teams. You know, we went through Georgia, Ohio State, Cal that were extremely talented teams that year. But, you know, when you blitz them in doubles in about 20 minutes, like we were able to do, you know, for the most part in all those matches, it kind of sets them back on their heels a little bit. And if you come out strong in singles, it gives you an edge. And, you know, we had a couple of kids. I mean, Adamovich at number one singles played as good of NCAA tournament as I think anybody has. If you look at the people that she beat in the in the dual match and then how she followed it up with, you know, her run in the singles part of it. I mean, I think she beat like six or seven girls in the top 25 in singles, a couple of them twice. Um, you know, it just really gave our team a lot of confidence and it was a lot of fun. I, I, you know, I tell our players all the time, I just hope that, um, you know, they can have an experience like that because that group was a lot of fun. Everything was flowing um, in, in a positive way. We just kind of hit a speed bump there at the very end. And, and um, you know, that's a lot of Stanford's done that to a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And if memory serves me correctly, 2016, 
that was the year the NCAAs was played in Tulsa, and I'm pretty sure the Oklahoma State men, if again, this is memory serving me correct, gave Virginia a real run in that first match. I think it was a 4-2 match in that round of 16, and then for you guys uh, in the semifinals, I believe you guys play a Cal team, and it comes down to a three-set battle at the number three singles position. Again, I'm a huge nerd about these sorts of things. That's why I can remember that round of 16 match in 2016. Um, And I think it was Kadhi, did I say his name right? Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, yeah. Who who was a member of that team as well? Played really, really well down the home. I think yeah. he got the win. The win for them. Yes. All this. Yeah. yeah sounds he, somewhat familiar. Yeah. He was. Um, you know, he was on that number two court. I think. You know, it really mm-hmm. kind of turned. We had um, Ty Kwiatkowski, um down some match points, I believe, at maybe three singles or four singles. Uh, you know, somewhere in there, I think maybe three, and and he was able to save those off and and make a comeback and you know our guys had them on the ropes for sure that was the year Virginia won and um that was a fun match to watch our guys were out there Kade played a great match uh at at number two singles it was a that was a great team that Jay had there and um it would have been fun for both of us to be in the finals unfortunately they kind of got the bad bad end of the draw there but uh yeah it was, it was a fun time mm-hmm. but and Again, I, I appreciate that you can remember that match as well. Uh, but for you guys, that semifinal, I think that was played indoors, if memory right. serves me correctly, because it was so rainy that year. Uh, that three singles match goes down to the third sets. Victoria gets that 6-2 win over Lynn and sends your program to the national final. What goes through your mind as a coach in that moment? Again, what is the pride you take from your team from that run? Well, you know, that, that run was interesting because we had a lot of rain that year, and actually some of the matches were played over here at our place. And I think that was the first exposure to people to, to what we had here. Um, you know, we were actually supposed to come over here in the round of 16, and they thought that would be an unfair advantage, you know. So we, we wound up staying there, and, and that was an interesting kind of twist to everything. We played Georgia late at night. I think we finished the round of 16 indoors about 1.30 in the morning. Um, so, you know, we played indoors – round of 16 outside quarters indoors semis and then outside uh finals it was kind of interesting but you know when you think back to that semi-final match Lishkova is one of the best I mean she's a three-time all-american so um the fact that that year she played number three singles um you know made our team a lot stronger she had not had the fall season that she had you know had the rest of her career and a couple kids above her Adamovich and Bobich had so we, we put her at three and she just embraced that role and you know when it came down to a third set it's the last match on they were starting the third set when everybody else finished you know Lin Chi had made the singles final the year before um and so you know she was a heck of a player but I just sat back and thought I've got Victoria Leshkova to win a third set for us to send us in the finals I wouldn't trade the position I'm in for anything and it was no surprise to me that she performed as well as she did and that third set was like lights out tennis i mean it's unbelievable she won at six two and you know everybody asked me why were you so calm you know on the on the bench watching that you really didn't do a whole lot i'm like what's there to do when you got you know <laughs> a, a stud out there like her and the way that she loved those moments and the place was just packed uh indoors they fit as many people as they could um uh, and our fans you know really showed out during that entire run and made it a definite home court advantage for us um and and i think that was uh that was really special time Mm -hmm. and obviously going into that final 
And again, I apologize. This is probably where you swear at me. Uh, but you have, you know, you guys win the doubles point, two straight set matches, but then four of the singles flights go the distance. Uh, for you as a coach, A, did it ever get more stressful than that moment? And B, you know, looking back, obviously, uh, 7-5 in the third, Stanford's able to win at number two singles for the clinch. I- I'm curious, just I have to ask, how many times do you play that moment over in your head? Yeah, I, I play it over a lot, like how <laughs> I've done some things differently, you know. And, uh, you know, the, the match that it came down to number two singles, we actually had a match point at um, six, four, five, four deuce in the second set. So, you know, she wins that we win the match. You know, I, I, I could tell the way things are going at that time. Number one singles. I had a lot of confidence in Adamovich, even though she was playing Carol Zhao, like, you know, she won that, I think it was like four and five or five and four. Um, but she, you know, she, she had a good feel for that. I just could tell that she had a, you know, good confidence level. Leshkova, even though she lost the first set, she came back and dominated after that. And, and I felt like, you know, those two were in good place. And then all the rest of them were, you know, looking to go three, except for number two. We were up 6-4-4-1. And, um, you know, Taylor Davidson did what she did best. She just kind of hunkered down and made a million balls. And, you know, it um, was a little bit windy that day. And she started, you know, using her slice. And people have talked to me all the time about, well, you know, um, she was just slicing the ball. Well, you know, it was a little windy there. It's the pressure of a final match uh, coming down to it. You know, it's very easy to sit on the outside and say what you would do. But, you know, that, that match had so many momentum swings. We're up 4-1 in the second. You know, get down. Get Taylor gets it to 4-all. At 5-4, we have a match point. Lose that. Lose the set 7-5. Get down 5-2 in the third. Come back to 5-all. And at 6-5. It's deuce. So we're either going to a third set tiebreaker uh, to decide the national championship or Stanford wins it. And that that last, you know, deuce point was like 20 shots. And, uh, you know, neither girl was really comfortable taking a shot at, at going for it because of the conditions. And, uh, you know, we missed we missed a ball there at the end. But um, I don't know that stressful is maybe the right word. I honestly told myself before, I'm going to enjoy this because you never know when you're going to get back there, you know? And the whole time I felt like I was that whole run with that team. I I never thought we were going to lose the match. And even to the last point there, I I thought we were going to win the match. I had complete confidence in our girl Bobich on the court, but um, you know, Taylor is a really special kid. I recruit her as hard as I, as I could. And I, and I told her in the, post-match kind of uh we had to give talk you know a little speech as coaches and i told her i knew someday she was going to be a part of a national championship she just had that kind of leadership capabilities i just didn't expect it to be against me and uh you know (laughs) that was the hard part about it but you know stanford's the team that you want to play when you're playing in the national championship especially when it's your first time you want to go against you know the best and you want to go against the team that um you know is the standard and and so we put it you know, ourselves to the test. And I was so proud of the way that our fans showed out. Our, our players gave everything they could. And there's a lot of things we could have done differently, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, we learned from it. So hopefully next time in the, I'm in that position, I'll do a little bit better job coaching down the stretch and we'll finish it off. 
No, I mean, look, you talk about what you guys have done. I think four trips to the Sweet 16 in your last five years and two regular season titles for the uh, Big 12 in the last three completed seasons. And obviously, I think you guys have made the tournaments up in like eight straight seasons, whatever it may be. You guys have had All-Americans. You've had academic All-Big 12 selections. I think, you know, if you are an Oklahoma State fan, obviously you have to be feeling pretty good about where both the women's and the men's programs are entering this new decade of tennis. And my final question for you, Coach, before I let you go, uh, in general, I'd like to ask this of all the coaches, for fans out there who watch your team compete this week, or this week, excuse me, throughout the, well, both this weekend and throughout the course of the season, what do you hope their takeaway is from your Oklahoma State team? And ultimately, what do you hope your team is able to accomplish this season? You know, I think every time out, I tell our kids, like, let's let's put on a show. Let's compete. You know, I think I want fans to enjoy watching our kids compete, that they're going to fight for everything. They're going to do it the right way. They're going to be respectful. They're going to have good sportsmanship. But, you know, at the end of the day, it should not be easy anytime you play the Cowgirls. And, um, you know, we're going to compete. We're going to give you our best. And that's all you can ask for as a coach. And I think that's important. If our kids can have that standard of, competing their you know giving their best effort from a competitive standpoint each and every time out the wins and losses will take care of itself and as you just mentioned i mean we've had a good good run here and it's because our kids compete with um you know the right frame of mind and and do it in the right way and um you know i'm just proud of everything that we've accomplished but i think there's um, better days even ahead for our program i think we're uh going to continue to build on this thing and and um, i'm proud of our kids and uh, I'm just excited for everybody else to get to see what type of team we have moving forward this this weekend and the rest of the season. No, absolutely. I know, again, I speak for all of us fans. We are so excited to see the action this weekend. And I know, personally, I am thrilled to be able to come down to Stillwater to watch it all unfold. I will also end with this note. The orange and black color scheme for Oklahoma State probably the most underrated color scheme uh, in the country. I I'm mean, with you, man. I'm with it you. It looks good. It does. We got a lot of things we can do with that. Yeah, and I'm just saying, if you want to throw a shirt, maybe okay. a hat my way I this weekend. I see where weekend, you're going. I okay. won't say no. <laughs> I, I get it. No, no, that was a genuine. I mean, sincerely, sometimes it looks a little Baltimore Orioles-y. But other times, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan always. When you can pull off the black and orange combo, yep. uh, which are two two definitive colors, uh, it just it works. And I think the Oklahoma State Unis work. Sounds good, man. Well, we look forward to having you here this weekend. And uh We'll see if we can't get you in some orange and black by the end of the weekend. Hey, I sell my loyalties to the highest bidder. But, of course, Coach Young, thank you so much, as always, for taking the time to chat. Stay safe, stay healthy, and again, looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Sounds good. Yep, take care. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Oklahoma State women's head coach Chris Young. A huge thank you to Coach for taking the time to chat. Can only imagine how busy he is getting everything prepared for this weekend's action in Stillwater. So, of course, we are wishing he and his team safety, health, and, of course, luck. Uh, Not only this weekend, but throughout the rest of this 2021 season. And again, we will be live in Stillwater for the Division I Women's National Indoor Championships all weekend long. Coverage starting 
Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, whatever it may be. Uh, And, of course, we will have four quarterfinal matches on Friday, four more matches on Saturday, culminating with the championship match only that I believe is going to be 7.30 p.m. on Sunday. So hopefully you all will follow along with us. It really should be some exciting tennis. And, again, we're going to get our first look to see at, you know, the pecking order at the top of the women's game. There are four teams that, under normal circumstances, would be prohibitive favorites probably to win a national championship this season. All four of them obviously playing simultaneously. So it should be a really, really fun championship weekend. Hope all of you will join us. And again, a huge thank you to Coach Young for hosting our Cracked Rackets team. If you want to hear more about the National Indoors, go check out the Great Shot podcast feed where Colette Lewis, the GOAT, of course, joins me to preview this weekend's action. Of course, Chris Halliwurst, Matt Stokowiak joined me the day prior to uh, recap this past weekend's men's college tennis action, talk about our see our newest edition of our Cracked Rackets Top 10 rankings. So to fill any of your other college tennis content needs, be sure to go check out the Great Shot podcast feed. Uh, of course, we will be recapping all of the action day in, day out on our mini break podcast throughout the weekend. So be on the lookout for all of that as well. And of course, there's a ton of pro tennis action going on too right now. If you want to hear more about what it's like uh, on the ground in Australia, go check out the interview we did with Bethany Maddox Sands earlier this week on this show. Of course, we're recapping all the action on our mini break podcast and GSP Aces of the Day each and every morning as well. Uh, So be on the lookout for those on the Great Shot Podcast feed. And of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to all of our Cracked Rackets podcasts. You need those more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at midwest sports go to midwestsports.com use that promo code cr15 to let them know that we sent you there but with that in mind for our wonderful guest oklahoma state coach chris young our super producers fligner and westoff our friends at midwest sports and all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the cracked interviews podcast stay safe stay healthy And we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.